Guess who hit level four last night because I decided to floss. Oh man, what'd you take? Why don't I just show you? Your chair, if you please. Great. Now I will place this one here, and then I will put mine over on this side like so. Watch. Oh man, let me narrate what you're doing in explicit detail. You just jumped up and did perfect splits and landed one foot on either chair, and now you're suspended between them like Jean-Claude Van Damme. Plus one to my decks, homie. Have you done that before? No, I was waiting to show you. So, you pulled your groin? I shredded it. Please start the theme song so I can begin screaming. No prob. I brought Michael Bolton in this week. Man, that dude will do anything for a paycheck these days, but man, so sultry. Garen, you ready? It's about to drop. Do it! Dungeons and Dragons. Dan here. I started out in 5e. And me? I was sitting behind the DM screen. Yeah, that was three short years ago. I built a dragonborn fighter with no gusto. Fast forward a year. We're buying supplements and copping brand new gear. Incessantly making characters for one another. The only one who cared, of course, was our brother. Build a new character, score them all day. Each and every week, a brand new baby. How's their melee? How's their range? How's their magic? How controlling? How to range? That's not a category. Just keep going. Uh, I think we were here? Grab a comfy chair and a glass of mead. Another fresh episode in your feed. Other podcasts can be kinda drab. This ain't one, it's the character lab. Welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week we're bringing in a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content, and then scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey everybody, it's Dan. And I'm Garen, and this week we decided that we would each pick five items of any rarity, no matter what attunement levels are necessary, and equip them to our character. Yeah, this is wildly unbalanced and surely will result in some level of cheating, but we just wanted to excuse to show off some of the fun items we found in both Wizards Official and community-created content. Magic item usage seems to be a pretty large variable between tables, so we would love to hear from you guys as to what sort of rules as DMs or even players you allow at your table when it comes to when a character can receive a certain rarity of an item or how many items are in your game, if they're there at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually super pro magic item. Uh, it brings in another level of unpredictability into your game. It also can help flavor up those boring levels when things kind of seem to be stalling out. All right. You know, Dan, today we only created level two characters. And why don't I just get us started with the introduction of my character? Would you please cue my background music? Once every hundred generations, a Henry is born to the Crawfolk. One of the few crustacean-centric humanoids in the multiverse, the Crawfolk often find themselves as outsiders, and so the shelled society must rely on the birth of a new Henry to rise them out of the muck. A Henry is unique in that they have the potential to unlock abilities otherwise unheard of, because only a Henry can achieve the mythical second level. Well, it's that time again. A Henry has been born. Her birth was just like the birth of any other craw, except that when her parents looked down on her, they said, this is a Henry. From an early age, she showed aptitude, achieving one half of her first level before she could even walk. 
She was a confirmed level one wizard by the time she entered Crawdaddy's Preparatory Elementary Academy. She excelled in all of her classes, had some laughs, and made some great <laughs> friends. And upon graduating, she was a confirmed level two. And during the subsequent parade that was absolutely necessary, the Craw people threw magic items at her in celebration. The mayor of the town herself even gave Henry the honored scepter that entitled to one of her kind. And that is called the Chitness Staff of Henrydom. So Henry may have come from some humble beginnings, but I assert to you, she is no po' boy. And I have created a level two necromancy wizard with the cloistered scholar background, and she is a crawfolk, which is a original race created by Chad Lynch and available on DMs Guild. We'll talk about that more later, but for starters, Dan, this is my character. Well, I'm certainly curious to learn more about what exactly a Henry is, so... Thank you for enlightening us, and I think I've discussed with you on the show before that we were going to make your son at some point, you know? My, my nephew, Jesse, he's he's just your classic barbarian. You know, he could just <laughs> straight up push something like six times his size from one end of your yard to the other. Do not let this dude's little stature fool you. He means business. It's not an exaggeration. Jesse just pushes things around yards, sidewalks, streets. It's his favorite thing to do for some reason. But before I get into all that, remember that medical degree I got from Faerun State University on our Farland episode? Well, now I'm a proud dual degree holding alumnus of FSU with a brand new degree in Arcana. That's right, folks. I now have a plus one to all Arcana checks, so consider me the lab resident expert. So I went over to your house a couple weeks ago, and Jesse was showing me all the cool toys he has, and man, does he have a lot. But with my newfound knowledge, I noticed that, dude, I... I don't know if you know this, but he has some really rare magic items. Like, he's been fleecing you for a while now. Man, I can't wait to tell you about all of them, but I really think you need to be very, very nice to him. Jesse is a level two human kid using Ann Gregerson's Little Hero Supplement. That's right, the same supplement that we made kids in the past, including your daughter, Molly. He's a barbarian with the inheritor background. And you know what he's the inheritor of, Garen? What's that? All that great D&D knowledge. <laughs> I only have one problem with this. And that is my four-year-old is level one, but my two-year-old is level two. I think we all know who would win it if they got in a fight. Dude, that toddler's OP. All right. Obviously, I am excited to see how you have built my son. So we will get into that in a moment. But first, Dan, why don't you take us to our commercial break? Well, if you need some items in real life, we have just the place. Tabletop Loot is full of great products and even more heart. Their store has shirts, mugs, tote bags, and hordes and hordes of dice. What really makes this place special is they regularly support gaming in schools by having sales where every dice set purchased means that one will be donated to a school gaming program. And what's more is their dice selection cannot be beat. We don't have time to list them all though, folks. So this week, I'm going to highlight one that I would use when playing Jesse. Ether Stone, with its mix of red, greens, blues, and blacks, calls forth the mystical powers of the items I've equipped to this bad little boy. When you click the link in our show notes or head on over to tabletoploot.com to get a set of dice for your character use, put in the code LABRAT, that's L-A-B-R-A-T, and you get 15% off your total purchase. This works on everything except the metal Norse foundry dice. So, grab some fresh loot and give Boring the boot. 
Thank you, Dan and Tabletop Loot, for your message. Now, guys, if you're just joining us, this is where I will explain our show format. We have nine categories we've prepared arguments for, and in each we will state why our character deserves a score between minus two and positive two. A positive two is finding a staff of striking right before the big boss, and a minus two is stealing a potion of storm giant strength at level four and being forced to pay for it. You say 50,000 50, gold? Finally, once per show, each of us will be able to force the other to roll for the score in which we are arguing as a charisma save using the charisma score for our character. And at the end, whoever has the most points wins. Now, it's time to get down and dirty, start throwing some items around, melee category. I think I'll start. Henry's, being craw people, have a couple of natural weapons at their disposal, including the big-ass claw. Your pincher claw is a natural weapon, allows you to make unarmed strikes, does bludgeoning damage, 1d6 plus strength modifier, which is a plus 2 for me, and the target must succeed on a strength saving throw or become grappled. Also, got a tail attack, 1d8 plus 2, which is my strength, of course, and the target must see it on a strength save or be knocked prone. I'm already filling out my controlled category here, too. Now, I do have something that really drew me to this Crawfolk race, and that is there are several flaws, one of which is called weapon restrictions. Because I only have one hand and one big claw, I can't use weapons with a two-handed or heavy property. But I am wielding the Chitness Staff of Henrydom, which is a quarter staff. Now, I have to wield it with one hand, so I only get 1d6 plus two, but I also get a d6 of thunder damage on top of that. Man, I'm just doing like all the categories at once. So I think for level two, I got a lot going on here. This is a plus one. I agree. I'm not even arguing that. I'm hoping that you just uh, ended up expending all of your categories there in one and you don't have anything for the rest. But Jesse in the melee category, he's arguing a plus one. He's got rage twice per long rest. But you know that whip that you got him from the Indianapolis Johnson attraction at Sydney World? Yeah, that ain't just a toy, man. That's a whip with a plus four to hit. Deals out 1d4 plus two slashing, but it's actually called Lash of the Master. Now, this is a whip from Masters and Minions, a supplement by Jetpack7, the authors of Gods and Goddesses, previously featured on the show. When you hit a creature with this weapon, the target must succeed on a DC 14 wisdom save, or they must attack an adjacent creature of your choice. And just be careful, Garen, because Jesse wants you to hit Mommy. <laughs> oh, jeez. Johnny, that really hurts. What do you think about a plus one? Yeah, I'm not going to argue with a plus one because that is a frightening alternative, so. Well, moving into ranged, I'm arguing a minus one here. Uh, Jesse has a dart. It's part of a dart board set, but it's just a random dart. Uh, it's plus seven to hit. I don't even know how much damage it deals out, and uh, I don't really care. I think I said this before. Is this a regular dart? Not everything he showed me was magic. I mean, some of it was just downright trash. Yeah, but who's letting this baby hold this dart? Uh, apparently you, bad dad. You're right. Okay, I'll give you a minus <laughs> one then. No, no arguments here. So guys, if you haven't heard of a little supplement called Ridiculous and Impractical Magic Items That Are Fun by Ben Boyarko, uh, you're missing out because my ranged weapon is called... Dr. Crapulon's Wondrous Catapult. <laughs> this is a catapult that can only be operated by wizards and arcane tricksters. Isn't that a great name? I love it. <laughs> uh, you know what Dr. Crapulon's catapult does? 8d10 plus 10 bludgeoning damage. Whoa! But every time you use it, there's a 50% chance it will break and it must be repaired. And it takes three days to attune it because you must read the instruction manual and pass several intelligence checks that are delineated in the notes. 
and if you use it more than three times, you must start succeeding on wisdom saves or you begin to go mad. So I love this item because it is super powerful, but it has a lot of drawbacks. But there is also something else in my range category. My Chitna's Staff of Henrydom also functions as a doomerang. And that means it has the throne trait and I can throw it at a target. Any creature in the path must succeed on a DC 10 deck save or they take D6 of the damage type on a failed save. And it returns back to me at the end of the throw. I'm arguing a plus two for ranged. Yeah, and I really am not going to argue with you, and I'm making you roll here because 8d10 plus 10, man, that's going to be hard to beat. Thank you, Dr. Crapulon. So this is a straight zero modifier, and I rolled a five. Okay, you're going to take a plus one, as the DC for that is a 17. <laughs> now, take us into burninating. What kind of magic damage can these items that the Henry has do? Well, I got Thunderclap as a, a cantrip, but I don't even feel like I should have mentioned that. Dr. Crapulon's Catapult, it also has variable damage. When it fires off, not only is it dealing that 8d10 plus 10, it's going to take on 4d6 additional damage based on a random d8 table, and it'll do thunder, fire, necrotic, poison, acid, bludgeoning, cold, piercing, or poison damage. I think I said poison twice. Regardless, that list hurts. That's really all I have. Also, my staff is dealing out some magic damage, as I mentioned before, in my melee category. It's got a D6 of Thunder. I'll take a zero in this category. Yeah, a lot of recycled stuff. Uh, I think a zero is appropriate. Thank you. Also, I can't really rely on my catapult. As we've seen, it's not my main damage dealing. It's quite crapulon. I'm working a plus one in burninating because, you know, there's that toy blaster that you had when you were a kid. You know the one that smells like molten metal? Yeah, I don't think that thing works properly. Actually, um, it's a death ray. As featured from Alien Influence by David Adams, basically, when Jesse uses it, and I hope he never uses it on one of you guys, God forbid, it has the effects of the disintegrate spell against the target, or he could use it against uh, foliage, killing all of it and leaving only behind a fine gray powder in a 60-foot radius. Woo. But basically, disintegrate is a deck-saving throw, and on a fail, it's 10d6 plus 40 force damage, or half as much on a successful save. So, throw that away immediately. You wouldn't even survive a successful deck save, dude. What are you at, like 28 HP? Uh, not a chance, Lance. My HP rolls have been pretty booty, so that's fair. Plus one? Plus one for death ray is acceptable, but, uh, you know, I'm just feeling a little saucy. Why don't you try and roll for that plus one? He's quite charismatic with a 12. DC is a 15 for this roll. And I rolled a 12, so I will take a zero. Let's talk about Jesse's control, because I have seen him get pretty upset sometimes. He throws his toddler tantrums, so what do you got here? Well, one of his negative traits from the children's supplement, as we've covered under Little Heroes on our kids episode. So go back if you want to know more about this supplement. It's, it's a great rule for making children a race, but they get a negative trait and a positive trait. And his negative trait, is he has short legs. His movement speed is lowered by five feet. Aww. But his positive trait here is that he's agile, which means that he has advantage on acrobatics checks made to escape a grapple. I'm sure you know that quite well. Absolutely. And that cute little hoodie that you guys got him for his birthday? Yep. Well, the hood on that is actually a doppelganger's cowl, as featured in Masters and Minions by Jetpack 7. We've never featured this supplement on the show before, but this is actually like a nice little bestiary and also some big bads and their minions 
all wrapped up in a 100-page supplement. It's really good, and it also has some magic items. But this doppelganger's cowl allows you to polymorph into any smaller medium humanoid that you've seen previously. You revert to your original form upon falling unconscious. Any creature who has seen the humanoid creature that you are impersonating previously must succeed on a DC-16 intelligence check to know that you are an imposter. But Jesse can, uh, can shapeshift. This explains a lot, because there's those times where it seems like he totally disappeared in a crowd, and then you turn around and he's just standing right there. It makes sense now. I'm arguing a zero here. Oh yeah, you can absolutely get a zero. That's not that impressive. So, uh, I'm actually going to take a minus one, and I don't think you're going to argue with me. Because I have the spell Ray of Sickness, which is great, but I have another disadvantage of being a crawfolk, and that is Clumsy Hands. I got disadvantage on sleight of hand checks as well as performance checks involving my hands. That's it. I will gladly grant you that minus one. But being a crawfolk, you got an exoskeleton, so I imagine Henry is kind of tanky. Henry is exceptionally tanky. That chitinous armor, which I've said the word correctly this entire episode, and if you don't think so, you haven't been listening. So I got an AC of 15, but... That's bumped up by a plus one due to my staff of Henrydom. Is that blowing your mind yet? We'll get to that later. I also got natural regeneration as being a crawfolk. Every hour, I regain 1d4 plus 2 HP. If I lose a limb, it regrows in 1d6 minus 2, which is my con, days. I also have the spell False Life, and I've got Grim Harvest as being a necromancer. Once per turn, when I kill a creature with the spell of first level or higher, I gain temporary hit points equal to twice the spell level, or three times the spell level if it was a necromancy spell. So, I'm arguing a plus two. This is a really tanky wizard. Also, 16 hit points, because I got a plus two of con, if that hasn't been clear already. I'm going to argue a plus one. We are a very fair show here when we display community content, right? I mean, other than D&D Wiki, we're absolutely unfair. But I do feel like this needs a bit of balancing. You basically have the regenerate spell at will. You do have some flaws, and don't get me wrong, but also regenerating some HP, this is really powerful. Well, I can't regrow a limb unless it's downtime, so I was making that a little bit unclear. I do have the two flaws, but then apart from that, all I have is two physical attacks and dark vision. I think... Yes, I do agree that uh, regeneration in itself is a very potent ability, so I can take a plus one on that. It does need a little bit of balancing. I'm all for this supplement, don't get me wrong, but I think that if you were to plug this into your home game, uh, it needs to be a discussion with your DM on how you would further nerf this a bit. You'd need to take some more penalties if you were sitting at my table, but that's why I'm not a DM. If I were to take this into tankiness, I'm arguing a minus one for Jesse. He's got an AC of 11 and 26 hit points, but he does have those rage resistances. So I think that's worthy of a minus one. <laughs> sure. So before I get into ally assist, I do want to ask another favor of our listeners. I want more reviews. Our show's been growing a lot in 2019. So if you want to help us further, please consider hitting up iTunes and dishing out a five-star review. I want to personally thank Azure Plaza and Ohio Yeti for both stating in their reviews that they were Team Dan. If you want a shout out on the show, log on now and let all the internet know that you like me more than Garen. This is really rude. Well, Jesse's strongest category here is actually ally assist. Oh, okay, do tell. Yes, I'm arguing a plus two. So that feather that he picked up from the park the other day, 
Well, that's not just any old feather, Garen. That is a life feather. It's a wondrous item out of Gods and Goddesses by Jetpack7. It allows you to cast True Resurrection, Lesser Restoration, Greater Restoration, and Power Word Heal three times per long rest. You ever wonder why you recovered from that flu so quickly this year, Garen? Yes. Yeah, that was the feather, baby. And that uh, dollar store boomerang, I've heard you call it stupid, cheap, and broken. Am I right? Yeah, it's, there's nothing right about it. It doesn't even shape like a boomerang. Wrong. It's a whirlwind boomerang featured in the Complete Martialist Handbook by Benjamin Hoffman and Ross Leiser. Now, spoiler alert, I smell an episode forthcoming on this supplement because it's very, very cool. But anyway, when you make an attack with this boomerang, it generates a small cyclone, sweeps up all items less than five pounds, and puts them in a nice little pile where the boomerang lands. Now, do not think that his sister Molly is not making him throw this thing in her room at least once per day to help her clean up. That is brilliant. That is the perfect cleanup tool. Plus two, he's helping out. You've called him selfish before. He's two. I call him a lot of things, mostly because he doesn't understand the words I'm using, so I think it's fair. Okay, Jesse can have his plus two. That is the most helpful barbarian I've ever seen. I got no issues with that. I'm arguing a zero. I have cause fear, which can be very helpful to my allies because I make the other people afraid. And I have ring of gin summoning, so I can just summon some gins, and those are helpful. How many gins do you want? What were you arguing? Zero. That's not too much to ask. It's not too much to ask. Can I have one of those gins? You can have a gin. All right, so take us into balance. It's balanced and unbalanced, okay? She has really good stats, but not really good wizard stats. Let me let me show you. Strength of 14, dex of 10, con of 14, intelligence of 13, wisdom of 14, charisma of 11. So my wisdom is higher than my intelligence, which right off the bat should be a huge red flag for a wizard. But let me just kind of break this down. I have natural abilities as a craw folk, so they are a hardy folk, so the strength and con is automatically a little bit higher. She did just finish elementary school. She is only second level. So an intelligence of 13 is actually pretty decent for someone who's just getting out of elementary school. And a wisdom of 14 just kind of comes from the ancestral influence of being this long line of heroic Henrys. So those things considered, I feel like this is a decent one. No argument here. I'm also arguing a one. Jesse has a little bit low wisdom, which is understandable being that he's two, but he has a strength of 14, which is maxed out. He is a human, which means he gets plus one across the board on all ability scores. I maxed him out at 15, but he does take a minus two penalty for being a kid in the strength category. So he has a strength of 14, dex of 11, con of 13, intelligence of 16. Yeah, that's right. Intelligence of 16. And this is no lie. Jesse is brilliant. He can read. He's two. I'm not kidding. Garen will never brag about it on the show, but his child can read, and he's two. Wisdom of nine, charisma of 12. Passive perception of nine. He doesn't see what's coming, but he does have an AC of 11 and and 26 hit points. With all these items, I feel like it makes up for his deficiencies. I'm, I'm arguing a one. I can accept a one. I'm really having a hard time arguing with this very complimentary build of my son. You see what I did here? It's very conniving. Let me continue with my smooth operation by reading our smooth operator scenario, which was submitted this week by Gabe from Interparty Conflict. And guys, if you have not checked out Interparty Conflict, head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and type in Interparty Conflict. We've even been on their show once. Great discussion-based podcast about Dungeons & Dragons and other tabletop games. It reads, you're on your way to local big box magic shop 
which you usually avoid due to the employee's aggressive and pushy sales tactics. You want a three-year protection plan on that one? How do you get in and get out of the store with merch in hand without getting accosted by the sales associates? Now, I think this is slightly aggressive, but I think that Jesse's absolute best route to handle this would be to blow a hole in the side of the building. <laughs> Closest to the item that he's looking for with his death ray. That way he doesn't even have to pay because people will be horrified that a toddler just blew a hole in the store and also people don't expect toddlers to have cash. Win-win. Plus one. How is that smooth operator? He blew a hole in the side of the building. Yeah, but that's not Ocean's Eleven. No, it's definitely not, but maybe they won't know it was him. A. B. <laughs> probably doesn't have to pay. Win-win. May not be smooth, but it's smart. It's a zero. Okay. So, Henry has the robe of many eyes, which allows me to look in every direction at once. So I make sure I know where all employees are at all times. And I make my way through the store without being accosted. And if any of them do spot me, I look at them. And while holding my staff, I get advantage on intimidation checks. So I look at them just like... No thanks. Which may seem a little aggressive. But in this context, I think it's fine because they're used to customers getting a little PO'd at them because they're so pushy and customers are just trying to get what they want, right? So if they still don't get the hint, I will take my purchase and go to the bathroom or I will use my last item, my wand of polymorph, and shape myself into a fish and escape through the toilet. Okay, and what are you I, arguing? I, I think this is... It's a one. I think it's a one because I used intimidation checks. All right. So how do you handle this in an aggressive fashion, given the following scenario? You turned down the wrong aisle and came face to face with an associate who is attempting to upsell you on your purchase. Have you considered a diamond tipped wand? Fend them off by any means necessary. So I use my wand of polymorph and I turn him into a piercer, which is in the monster manual. It's this wretched little monster that hangs from ceilings and tries to pounce on his victims, stabbing them with its spiky head. So I feel like this is like the spirit animal for such an employee so that he wouldn't mind too much, but I'm not done yet. Now, I've probably caught the attention of the other employees by doing that. So I use another feature of my staff, the will of ancestors. I can use an action to release the wills of my ancestors from the staff. All the other Henrys come out and each enemy within 15 feet must make a DC 14 wisdom save or they take 2d8 psychic damage. Oh, the backstory comes to fruition. Uh-huh. Finally, I use my Control Flames cantrip to burn all their membership rewards files so they lose track oh, of the unnecessary no. data they've collected on customers throughout the years and free those poor people from the capitalist tyranny of these pushy shopkeeps. Plus two. Oh yeah, plus two for democratic socialism for the win. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, now I'm, I'm arguing a plus one here because uh, I would have Jesse ask a bunch of very specific questions about all the items that the sales associate was talking about, looking for exact specs. I would suggest that the associate summon his manager to come and help us. Once the manager arrived, I would attack him or her with my magic whip. What? I got the magic whip. I know I can crack once, I can crack twice. If you gon' take a hit, make a wisdom save or you hit your comrade. And then I would make them attack one another. Now once that was taken care of, I would throw my boomerang causing a tornado of small, very crappy items to fly around the store and land in a nice neat little pile for them to reshelf. I think that'd keep them busy enough that they'd probably drop the upsell, plus one. Okay, yes, this is very aggressive and not nearly as violent as I expected. No, 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 no. Death Ray came in and smooth. 
Okay, so Dan, we are at the X Factor. So let's just talk specifically about the items you used this week. Which of these items did you really enjoy? Which ones would you really want to encounter in a game? Well, I did like this whip that after you whip them, it's not an extraordinarily powerful weapon dealing out 1d4, but I like the wisdom save and then they cause harm to an adjacent character of your choosing. I like that quite a bit. The doppelganger's cowl was also a nice little touch. Mostly, I think, you know, if I were to touch on if I'm going to play Jesse with all of these items, I mean, I play with Jesse all the time, but I, I, I'm just want to make it 100% clear. I, I won't play with Jesse again until you get rid of that death ray, okay? I don't even know where he put it. Just follow the smell of molten metal. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, but to be fair, there's a lot of weird smells in his room. Well, how about you? Are you going to play Henry or one of her ancestors? I love the Crawfolk race. It's very physical. Obviously, building it as a wizard was incredibly unoptimized, but I just wanted to try something new. So hats off to Chad Lynch on that. The two weapons that I used from Community Created Content, Dr. Crapulon's Wondrous Catapult, I think we can both agree that's a home run. And uh, my chitinous staff of Henrydom is actually a ancestral weapon. Now, if you guys haven't seen this one on DM's Guild, this one has been on the top for a long time, and for good reason. Uh, what Dungeon Rollers, the creators, have done is put together a piece that allows you to build your own ancestral weapon. Now, mine is extremely overpowered. A level 2 character would never have all the abilities that I had on this one. But I just wanted to show off some of the fun stuff you can do. They've created a system with spirit points where you gain spirit points in the same way you'd gain experience. Your DM gives them to you, and then you're allowed to spend them on that item to grow it in power and customize it however you want. It's a really fantastic product. This is definitely something that I would want to use in a game. Huge congratulations to Dungeon Rollers on their success with that. It's very much well-earned. Yeah, and uh, just to quickly touch on all of the supplements that I used, check out the show notes. Give all of these supplements a look-see. We featured some of them in their own episode, and some of them not yet. Some of them won't get an episode, but all of them are worthy of a look, so... Be sure to check that out. Garen, with that said, who takes home the biggest item, which is the trophy of the week? Dan, I'm uncomfortable answering that question because while I technically have a higher score of six to three, putting that into context makes me a little squidgy. You know what I mean? Yeah, you beat your son. Don't say it. Oh, really just Henry did though. It was Henry's fault. I'm proud of you, Jesse. You did a great job. You're my favorite barbarian little baby boy. So guys, come back next week as we will be doing a much overdue return to one of our favorite community creators, Cobalt Press. Man, they have a certified buttload of stuff to draw from. So come on back to see what we picked and how awesome it truly is. If you need more of the lab in the meantime, you could become a $5 patron and hear our breakdown on the history of the fighter class through all of the additions that we just recently released on the feed. Yeah, that Patreon community is growing by the day. So get in on the action. I believe at this point now you're going to have like 26 bonus episodes to sort through. So an absolute treasure trove. But until that point, guys, remember, when it comes to character creation, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Have a great week. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Lab, and all episodes for that matter. Yeah, but if you left this episode just wanting more, you can join us on Patreon for tons of bonus content. At our lowest tier, you can join our Discord and participate in fan battles and have access to all PDF content that we post. You can even chat with us throughout the day. For just a little bit more, you get two bonus episodes a month and access to the entire backlog of Fight Clubs, Monster Labs, and special interviews that we've been pumping out since March of 2018. 
Patrons in the next tier get early access to our regular show, sometimes as much as nine days prior to release date. They also get PDFs of the character sheets for the characters that we've built in the 2019 episodes and beyond, and they can submit a smooth operator or spitting fire charisma scenario that we will use in each and every episode. And our top, top tier patrons get merch a couple times a year, have a chance to submit characters, and can sway the fates with automatic crits and fails on our charisma rolls during the show. At any level, we hope to bring you more fun. We love working on this show and the support of our patrons helps continue to make it better. If you're digging the new audio production that began in 2019, just know that it wouldn't be possible without those that already donate. And we have more plans to beef up the lab and we need your help to do it. But however you support us, we thank you. We hope to have you back next week. Head over to our Facebook and Twitter at DD Character Lab for some previews, what to expect, and lots of links to other great community content. Until Wednesday, peace, love, and point by. 1D4. Oh, is it? Is it C H I T I N? Yeah. I O U S? Yeah. Oh, that's chitin. Chitin. Oh. <laughs> I was totally wondering what, what you were saying. You were like, chitinous? I'm like, what is that? Dan, it's chitinous. Come on. Read a brook, all right?